Welcome to another edition of Stuck in Misery. I'm your host, Mark Burke, and joined as always by my guy, Sam Renchen. Kicking it in St. Louis, we're after the Christmas season, the holiday season, and New Year's. And tonight, Sam, we're going to be talking about American Underdog, the movie all about Kurt Warner's life. Your hero growing up in the St. Louis area, Sam. I feel like this movie was made for you. Oh, yeah, man. I'm the target audience. First of all, Mark, hey, good to talk to you, man. It's been a while. Happy New Year, man. Yeah, a little nervous. You know, I haven't been on Stock and Misery in quite a bit, but it's going to be back, you know, and I think it'll come back to me, you know, as it, as the show goes on. But um, yes, dude, Kurt Warner, I mean, he was my hero growing up. Him, Marshall Falk, that 1999, 2000 Super Bowl run. I remember the moment where I was when they won that Super Bowl, when they stopped on the final play and I was going nuts. I was in kindergarten. I mean, I looked up to those guys. That was like probably one of my first really, I mean, memories of sports and fell in love with football and the Rams and all, all that's been history. Um, so yes, I honestly was like lo- really looking forward to seeing this movie. Um, funny story. I was supposed to see it with a buddy of mine last Thursday and, you know, he kind of backed out last minute and I'm like, dang it. You know, like I was really looking forward to seeing it. I, I went anyways by myself and honestly had one of the best, you know, experiences at the movies in quite some time. So great, great experience. Love the movie. Um, we'll get into it. So. Yeah. You didn't feel any shame when a single tear is streaming down your cheek and you don't have to look next to your boy next to you because there were a lot of great scenes in this movie. Sam. Oh, there's numerous times where I'm just like, yes, like super pumped up. You know, you had the uplifting moments, you had the deep, you know, great, you know, conversational kind of motivational kind of, you know, down to the dumps moments as well. But all of that, you know, was all part of the movie. And I guess my biggest takeaway is like, I went into seeing looking, I went into the movie thinking it'd be, you know, a lot about his career as a Ram, but really it was only like about 30% of it was when he made the Rams. And that's like the last 40 minutes or so. Mm-hmm. So a lot of it was the buildup of how he got there, you know, his life before, the Rams before pro playing football for Northern Iowa and kind of everything he went through to get to that point, which I didn't know much about at all. You kind of, everyone kind of knows the ending, how, you know, he became a Super Bowl uh, champ with the Rams, but no one really knows how he gets there. So that was one thing I really liked. It's about the journey, Sam. And so this movie was directed by John and Andrew Irwin, one hour and 52 minutes long. You grew up in St. Louis, so Kurt Warner is to you, you know, an Albert Pujols for sports fans growing up in St. Louis, Sam. I grew up in Chicago, so for me, that would be like, you know, Michael Jordan or Sammy Sosa. So, you know, I think, too, last summer when The Last Dance came out, how much that meant to me for that nostalgia, because that's what I grew up with. And Mm -hmm. I can't help but relate in that same way just because the Rams were the team that you rooted for, the greatest show on turf. So, you know, not just Kurt Warner, but Marshall Falk, Isaac Bruce, Torrey Holt, Oz Hakeem, Ricky Prohl on the offensive line, Orlando (laughs) Pace. And I mean, think about how many of those guys are not just Pro Bowl players, not all Pro, Hall of Fame players I'm talking about and one of the most prolific offenses of all time. So just that nostalgia for you. I'm a tad jealous, Sam. I'm a tad jealous. The greatest show on turf, man. I mean, you get to kind of relive it, like watching the movies. They have live shots of the actual, of the dome, just rowdy as can be, packed to the brink towards the end when he, he becomes a Ram. 
and it just gives me so much goosebumps. It's like, I, I never really, I was eight years old when I experienced that, you know, and you don't really like looking back on it. I wish I still was able to experience that, but it was just awesome to see like the city together and just how great of, you know, the fans that really we rallied around that team. And Kurt Warner was kind of this unsung hero that kind of became the guy. And honestly, it couldn't have happened to a better person. Like reading all about him, he would, and I, again, I was really young when this happened, but he would stay after practice and like, he would like talk to every last media member, sign autographs and whatnot. And not every, not every star athlete has to do that, but Kurt was that guy. And you can kind of, you can kind of tell from the movie that he really is so down to earth and, you know, thankful for what, you know, he was able to get in this world. So that's why just, it it was a great story, but also an even better person. So it's, it is great, kind of very refreshing to have people like that in this world. This movie was better than any trailer that came out for it. Initially, I was expecting this to be almost like a draft day. If you were to pitch this story as a piece of fiction to a Hollywood studio, they would throw it out because they'd say it's not believable in terms of the journey that Warner underwent, not just to make the NFL, but then to become a star player in the league, starting in the NFL at age 27. And Sam, a Hall of Fame quarterback and a quarterback who won two regular season MVPs, won a Super Bowl MVP. And I was going through his career Kurt Warner was part of three of the most iconic Super Bowls that you and I have lived through. So obviously the win in Super Bowl 34 over the Titans in that magical season that the Rams had against the Titans and what's one of the most epic Super Bowl games of all time. You then go to Super Bowl 36, the loss to the New England Patriots, the last second field goal with Adam Vinatieri and how that launches Tom Brady in his career. It's crazy that Brady's still playing now all of these Super Bowls later, but then also later in his career when he plays for the Arizona Cardinals, losing to the Pittsburgh Steelers in Super Bowl 43, a game that came down to the final minute of that game as well. So Kurt Warner, the legacy that he leaves in my mind, I mean, the greatest show on turf, the prolific offensive numbers, but he was part of the three best Super Bowls that we've witnessed in our lifetime. He played a part in that. And what's crazy is, you know, everyone was super hyped about Trent Green that year. He was like the next savior of the Rams. Yeah. So, I mean, he had all the weapons at his utility, plus a really stud um, QB and he was a hometown. He grew up, he went to Biani high school. So everyone in the area knew him was like super pumped to watch him. And then he goes down. It's like, do you really, you wonder if, you know, if, if he doesn't tear his ACL, does Warner ever become the player he is today? You never know, but it's just kind of crazy. Like looking back on this, this movie, I kind of forgot about that, to be honest. And just seeing that like live footage was kind of like, ugh. Kind of gave to me quote the back. legendary Dick Vermeil, we rally around Kurt Warner. We did, dude. We did. It was awesome, man. It was awesome. Was there a particular game or a particular moment you remember most about watching the greatest show on turf, Sam? Uh, shoot. I mean, it's got to be the catch, man. Ricky Prohl's catch. Um, probably against, what was it, Tampa Bay? Was that in like the... It was a really low scoring game. I think that was in the an NFC Championship. Um, just that run when I was as a kid um, that propelled us to win win the um, yeah that propelled us to win to go in the Super Bowl. 
and then just watching them win the Super Bowl as well. Um, that stop on the goal line stand was incredible. I had just, I don't really have like the most vivid memories being a kindergartner when we won the first, you know, we won Super Bowl. But I just remember just that feeling of overwhelm of just emotional joy when everyone won and going nuts. And I like I said, I was at my neighbor's house sitting in the basement and all of a sudden my, um, my neighbor was like, we won. He like lifted me up and threw me around. I was like, yeah, let's go. <laughs> um, yeah. So just kind of seeing, like I said, seeing those live, live scenes again, kind of propelled me back to the, that memory. I'm going to say this as we move along here on the podcast, talking about the movie American underdog, I bought Zachary Levy's uh, his acting and, and I bought him as Kurt Warner in this movie. I wasn't sure that I was going to going in again, watching the trailer. I was like, Oh man. And you knew it was going to get corny because at the end, everything that happens is things that actually happened in real life. So it's right. like, you know, yeah, it does get corny, but these things actually happened to him. I bought his portrayal. What say you, Sam Renchen? Did you did you buy actor Zachary Levels' portrayal of Kurt Warner in this movie? Oh, absolutely. I, I definitely did. I mean, there's moments where I, you can just close your eyes. I'm like, that actually sounds like him. And actually the way he like walks and kind of portrays himself as just this nice standard island guy, you know? Um, and I would agree with you. The trailer really did not do it justice. Um, you kind of, kind of the sentiment around it at first was like, eh, it's probably gonna be kind of cheesy, you know. Everyone, you kind of already know how it ends. Um, but again, I thought thought it was like the, the acting and it was really good. Um, I, I really, I definitely bought um, Zach Levy's portrayal. Um, and I, and then you can kind of get into it eventually. But I thought a lot of the other supporting actors did great too. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. So this is the point of the podcast. If you haven't seen this movie. Click pause, save this podcast, come back to you because this is your spoiler alert. So if you haven't seen this movie yet, we're going to get full into it, Sam, because both you and I have seen this movie. With that mm -hmm. caveat out of the way, we'll go to the best scene in the movie. And to me, there's really not a close second. I don't know who else fills out the bracket. The moment that Dick Vermeil, portrayed by Dennis Quaid, tells Kurt Warner he's made the team. Like, I don't know if you can see this on your screen, but the, the hair on, oh, yeah. on my arm is sticking up. It is just, it's a wonderful scene. And that's, that to me is the best scene in this movie. Isn't it crazy though how like Dennis Quaid, he wasn't in the movie all that much, but when he was in the movie, he just left that like feeling or just like, yes. You know, it's one of those things where you can, he just left it like an implant on, on the movie, you know? Um, and he was just in it used very subtly, but like when he was used, it was one of the scenes that really stood out something that like just life lessons you can take to you don't have to be a football player or a sports fan you don't even have to be a football fan to enjoy this movie um go watch that you can look it up on youtube go watch that scene where dick Vermeil, who's portrayed by dennis quaid in this movie tells kurt warner that he's made the team and it's like i couldn't help but cry because it's just like all the sacrifice that he had made to that point was worth it because he was going to be able to support his family and everything his family had done for him to even get to that point, to have that opportunity. Mm -hmm. To me, it's just like that. That's what the American dreams all about. You know, it, dude. And, and, and like, again, I never knew that he like, you know, met Brent at a bar and, and she already was divorced, had two kids. One of the kids was um, blind 
And he stepped right in, pretty much was the father for these kids. And one of my favorite scenes that's kind of, it's not going to be talked about as one of the best scenes, but it's when he goes over to the Brenda's house the first time. He didn't get her, he, he met her the night beforehand. They did a little line dance. He didn't get her number, but he, like the bartender knew where she lived. So he showed up the next day with flowers and she's there with like her two kids and she lives with her mom at the time. And uh, he starts like Brenda's running around with one of her kids, but the other kid's there. And you didn't realize it at the time, but he, you kind of find out later that he was blind, but he really liked this radio. And so he like went around and they like were in this room and he fixed the radio and the song that was playing was Fishing in the Dark. <laughs> and you know that that's one of my songs, dude. <laughs> For everyone who's listening, that is like my go-to karaoke song. And so it's literally Kurt Warner and uh, the other kid, Zach, just laying on the floor singing fish in the dark and like, you know, this guy is the real deal. You know, Sam, I had that in the, in the show notes and we're hopping a little oh, really? bit ahead, but that's totally okay. That's totally okay. Because I didn't um, read the show notes. no, no, that's, that's fine. That's fine. At that moment, I knew it would be a great movie, Sam, because right. knowing you, knowing your connection to St. Louis, as soon as that song came on and we've known each other for years now, I mm-hmm. thought of you. So Fishing in yeah. the Dark, the nitty gritty dirt band. As soon yeah. as I heard that, I'm like, oh man, my buddy Sam Renshin from St. Louis. He used to always play this song many moons ago when we studied together at the University of Missouri. I know that was always a go-to song for you. So I thought yeah. of you and that was early on in the movie. From that oh, yeah. point on, I was hooked. I oh, love this movie. Yeah. I mean, even when we were texting before the show, I was like, yeah, I'm going to watch this. I'm going to see this tonight. Um, and then when I was, when I watched that sh- or watched that scene, you know, I'm like, no wonder Mark's like, Stan's going to love this show. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We'll get into the, the char- Zach's character. I want to go back to Dennis Quaid really quickly. He's got a nice sports movie trifecta now. So he's got American underdog where he plays Dick Vermeule. His performance in the rookie in 2002, oh, yeah. where he portrays Tampa Bay Rays pitcher, Jim Morris, a high school teacher who decides to pursue his baseball dream in his 30s, and he ends up becoming a big league pitcher, is a tremendous movie. Mm-hmm. He's got two others as well. He's the aging quarterback Jack Rooney in Any Given Sunday, so more than a trifecta, four movies, I should say. And then if you've never seen Breaking Away, movie made in 1979, one of Dennis Quaid's first movies, he plays a character of you've got the cutters versus the college kids at the university of Indiana, the little 500 bike race. That is a movie about growing up what it takes, you know, after high school, what your life plan is. And, you know, as you grow into adulthood, the things that happen to you, a tremendous movie. So Dennis Quaid, like I I was going through the actors of other actors who have great sports movies, Sam, Dennis Quaid to me stacks up. Like the only other guy that to me, definitively has him beat as Kevin Costner. But to me, it's awfully close. And I think Dennis Quaid's up there considering you look at his credentials and the other sports movies he's been in. He's just been a tremendous actor for so many years. Yeah, I mean, this one definitely stands out. I mean, The Rookie, that's a classic. I think that was the first, when I think of, you know, Dennis Quaid, I think of The Rookie. Um, let's see, you got, yeah, you got Costner on here. You got Mark Wahlberg um for what's this for invincible that's a good one the fighter yeah Denzel Washington I mean obviously from Ruin the Titans which is one of the best sports movies of all time um 
what else? What are there some other ones? We got uh, Charlie Sheen from uh, um, what's what's it called again? Uh, Major League. Major League, yeah, of course. Ma- Major League's the best because Wesley Snipes in Major League as well. But then he, Wesley Snipes also had White Men Can't Jump too. Uh, Gene Hackman with Hoosiers and the replacements. Uh, Keanu Reeves sneaks in on this list because Shane Falco and the replacements. But then Hardball's also Hardball. an awesome movie too. So. I just think I'm, I look at Quaid and Costner and I'm looking at the, it's not just, Oh, they just happen to be in a sports movie. They happen to be in a sports movie. That's very memorable. And that's like among the best sports movies True. that you think of. So um, going yeah, back to Mark Wahlberg there. too, the basketball diaries with Leonardo DiCaprio too, 1995, hmm. check that out. An old school movie. But um, I, I think my, my point being though, Dennis Quaid though, after this movie, it's got a nice little resume as a sports yeah. actor after this movie, American Underdog. Comes yeah, out. like one of my favorite movies, sports movies is uh, Miracle, but there's really not a big like name actor in that, which kind of makes it almost better, I'd say. Yeah, I mean, Kurt, Kurt Russell, but other, other yeah. than Kurt Russell, it's like plays head coach Herb Brooks. Yeah. Um, other than Kurt Russell, I'm, I'm with you, honestly, like just off the top of my head, yeah. I couldn't name you a single other actor in that movie just off the top of my head. So I'm with you there, Sam. Mm-hmm. Okay, we will move on. Um, so we did what will be the most memorable scene. My favorite scene, Sam, and then we can go to yours, but my favorite oh, was the scene where I'm they a- run out of gas in the oh, snowstorm. Yeah. And Kurt Warner has to run several miles away to get a gas can and then run back to his family who have to huddle for warmth and stay in the Great. car. And it's just like, it's what being from the Midwest is all about of doing whatever it takes. And there's one point where he's absolutely spent energy wise and he's out there in the cold and he's got the gas can. It's like, what am I doing in terms of trying to pursue this long shot dream? I've got to be able to take care of the woman who's going to become my wife and her children and to take care of my family. And he perseveres and he endures. And it's just like, I, honestly, it's just like, that's how bad he wanted it. That's how bad he wanted it. And it's like, Dude, to me, yeah. it's just so inspiring. It's like, that to me is what, yes, I will remember the speech that Dennis Quaid gives his dick for meal. But I think about just being from the Midwest and what that's from. And just, you know, I've been in snowstorms when it's been that cold. Granted, I've been yeah, fortunate no not to have been in a situation where you run out of gas on the side of the road. Yeah. But that's what it took for him to continue to pursue his dream and not give up. I found makes that truly, you, truly inspiring, Sam. Makes you want to be a better person, right, Mark? I mean, dang, he, he sets the example high, right? Um, I would say, okay, so the question was, what's your favorite, your favorite scene? scene of the movie? And then what's also the most memorable scene? My most memorable scene had to be okay. like the last scene of the movie when they're playing against Baltimore. He makes his debut. And you have all you have all like the like the cameo appearances or like portrayals of all the, these greats like Marshall Falk, um, Isaac Bruce, Ray Lewis as well, which I know we'll touch on that later. That was my most memorable scene and probably favorite scene because it's just like reliving the past, like we meant we talked about and covered. But my other um, scenes I had written down here was um, the again stay in the pocket scene when they're um he's practicing and kurt warner's trying he's, this is when he was with northern iowa he's trying to get on the field he can't get on the field he's a senior he only has one year left to prove himself to nfl scouts but the reason why he never got in the field was because according 
from the coach, he wouldn't stay in the pocket. So basically he ran all of these defensive linemen and, uh, play after play. And he just kept getting sacked, kept getting sacked. He, he couldn't leave the pocket. He couldn't leave the pack. He had to find somebody to stay in the pocket. So um, kept kind of blowing the whistle, saying again, kind of reminded me of the Herb Brooks uh, miracle scene again. Um, so that was a great scene. And then also the arena league scenes were awesome. Like who would have thought that how, yeah. how crazy those scenes, the, that league was, I mean, they play in Des Moines, Iowa, which is, I guess he had to travel and live there because it was farther away from where Brenda and the family lived. Um, they were practicing in cornfields and they're playing in a little literal barn where there's like rodeos <laughs> right next to it. Yet they had this big, you know, arena sized football team and Kirk, Kirk Hermstreet makes appearance on the call. Oh, I thought yeah. that was pretty crazy seeing him call these games. So that was another one that I was like, oh, that's really cool. Um, and I guess it was kind of a big deal to the boy. Let's go back to the one scene where he's absolutely getting annihilated by his own yeah. teammates. I, I have a nit to pick here, Sam. At no level of football that I've ever watched or play, has a starting quarterback absolutely gotten his butt kicked by his own teammates play after play after play after play? I was always taught, don't touch the quarterback. Don't touch the quarterback. And I'm talking about in practice here. I'm not talking about an opposing team's quarterback. <laughs> that was grit, one man. thing where I got a pushback where it's like, if he's the team's starter. He wasn't though. He, he had to earn it. So that that's him earning it to the coach. That's your nit. That's, that's, Hey, I mean, again, <laughs> again, that's just my nit to pick. Now going to the arena scenes though, I thought this movie did a tremendous job weaving in the commentary you mentioned kirk Herbstreit. i recognize brad nestler's voice mm -hmm. gus johnson al yeah. michaels right the way they weaved in the commentary you talk about nostalgic some of the announcers i mean gus johnson and brad nestler are still going strong you know yeah. for the games that they announced collectively between you know college football and the nfl so you know that and then to hear you know how especially i mean like brad nestler when he's announcing some of the arena league games, that's kind of how, you know, a guy like a, a Kirk Curbstreet as a color analyst got his start doing what right. he does now as, you know, one of the most recognizable TV personalities out there. And so to hear their original calls and the fact that, you know, you didn't just have say a, a generic announcer in a movie, but they were able to take the actual calls from the actual games of things that actually happened. I thought was a really, really neat part of the story and the way they weaved in actual video footage too, I thought was very, very well done. Yeah. And uh, I guess kind of talking about the announcers, you know, shout out to uh, John Madden who passed, but I would say that there's probably going to be some, some series where they're going to use live footages for like a series on him or something where they'll use like live calls with John Madden as well. Um, yeah. I, I've been seeing that with just more and more movies. They really have been doing that. Um, yeah which I, I enjoy a lot. Speaking of Madden 2, Sam, and I don't know if you knew this, the final game he announced was Super Bowl 43 between the Cardinals and the Steelers. So Warner participated in that final game, the oh, final okay. on-air call Madden called, which is crazy considering like, you know, a new Madden video game comes out year after year after year after year, which like, I know he's not the announcer on the current games anymore, when I found out that Super Bowl, Super Bowl 43, was played in 2009, that it yeah. had been that long since John Madden had been in a broadcast booth, it was surprising to me. Yeah, yeah it is surprising. Hmm. 
let's go to let's talk about some of the supporting characters. Uh, I really like Anna Packin is is Brenda Warner. She's an Oscar award winner. She won the Oscar at age 11 for her role in the piano. Uh, I know her most from the X-Men franchise. She was in the Irishman as well. Also HBO's True Blood. Um, so I think that there might be some people where it's like, oh, is this Brenda Warner? Is this the True Blood character? But if you actually look, um, I, I thought the portrayal was accurate because I think she's a tremendous actress, but also like she had kind of the pixie haircut style yeah. that Brenda <laughs> Warner has. Um, I, I thought they did a really nice job and she did a yeah. great job in her role too. But yeah. I tell you what, Sam, the the character who stole the movie for me was Kurt Warner's son, Zach. So yeah. portrayed by Hayden Zaller, a Chinese-born American actor who is also blind as well. He was 11 years old during the production of American Underdog, made his film debut uh, as Zach, Kurt Warner's uh, stepson. And to see that relationship on screen, uh, you mentioned the radio scene at the very start. Um, but also, you know, when Kirk goes back, uh, you know, to help Brenda out when her parents die uh, mm -hmm. in the Arkansas tornado in this movie, oh, yeah. and he goes back to the hotel room and Zach is there and he's able to, you know, comfort them in a time that was just really, really tough for that family and, you know, able to take a tragedy and a disaster and use it to, you know, draw closer, bond closer together. Uh, to, to me, that relationship, there's other times in movies where that that's like, very hokey and cheesy but to me that relationship and that bond i thought they did a great job of just it, it just felt real to me it felt like in the real scene where me. he uh he's driving the uh he's driving the lawnmower even though he's blind yeah, uh, and <laughs> yeah. like it's all right it's all right you know brendan's all worried <laughs> it's funny though like you mentioned anna paquin um and i think she did a good job i just always thought it was just that couple just they just they're a little odd. They're just different. You know, like I wouldn't put those two together if I would picture see them in a crowd, you know, like it just, but sometimes it just seems to work. You know, it just, I always thought that just, you know, seeing her and seeing him like this, they don't look like they should be together, but Hey, it worked out great. Um, you know, they had that iconic scene at the end when, you know, he runs over for the kiss and then they show the real scene that actually happened. I, I just remember that her always being by her, him his side throughout the whole playoff run and everything um so i thought she did, would, did a great job um i wonder if she'll be nominated for any like awards or anything for that yeah and it, it's cool too to see even you know when they were promoting the movie and a lot of times they were on set too and to help the actors out so to hack help zachary levy and to help anna packing out of you know hey you know can you explain what your relationship was like in this scene or when you were going through this uh, I thought that that really came across in terms of, you know, what those experiences were actually like for the two. And the fact that they're still together today, too, I think is just a testament of their relationship yeah. and their belief in one another, too, in terms of that they wouldn't let each other quit pursuing each other's, you know, pursuing each other's dreams and then the family that they've built together, too. Um, again, it, you know, it gets really cheesy, but these are things that actually happen, Sam. It's actually refreshing because there aren't that many shows or movies that are like this anymore nowadays. So, yeah. you know, I, I don't mind it. I don't mind it at all. Okay. Between the two, so the college coach, uh, Terry Allen, portrayed by uh, Adam Baldwin, and then Mike Hunt Hudnut, played by Sidarius Blaine. 
the college coach, the college teammate, who did you like better between the two, Sam? I like the teammate. He was the man, you know, always just supporting his boy, you know, and he teaching was him how to dance. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. They go to the bar. He teaches them how to line dance and Kurt goes home and he learns how to line dance because he spotted Brennan at the bar, you know, just like they draw it up. <laughs> no, he was a great character. I thought. Absolutely. How about what, what's, your, uh, what's your thoughts on Mike Martz? Low key, the villain of the entire <laughs> film, Sam. The entire movie, I will make that. the argument that Mike Martz was the villain in this movie. I would argue it, that he was the best portrayed out of everyone. He looked exactly like what? him. Yeah. No way. Like no him, way. Yeah. I thought so. I mean, besides Kurt Warner. Kurt Warner is spot on. But Mike Martz was spot on as well. It looked and, a lot like him, but yeah. I don't know if Mike Martz actually had that same hatred Poor Kurt Warner. Like, I would love, in an ideal world, in the world of Mark, we could talk to Mike Martz and give him truth serum and to say, were you happy with your portrayal in this film? Well, I don't know. I mean, it's probably (laughs) how he's perceived, maybe. I mean, he's been known for being like a, you know, kind of crazy, kind of of tough, you know? Low-key, the villain of this movie because his disdain for Kurt Warner when he walks in the building. And, you know, I will say this. Mike Martz, an offensive genius. He had to have the talent around him to be able to do what he wanted to do from an offensive standpoint. But there's a reason why he's one of the greatest offensive coaches in NFL history. But he had to have the talent to do it. I mean, it's like you've got to have the pieces to run this high-powered, complex offense that he ran for years and years and years as a, as a coach in the NFL, offensive coordinator, a head coach at 1.2. We're going to come back to Mike Martz in just a second. I want to state this, and I know this movie is about Kurt Warner and his run as an American underdog. Rams linebacker Mike Jones got shortchanged, Sam. Oh, the fact that they didn't show the tackle of Kevin Dyson one yard short of the goal line and the Rams win the Super Bowl 23-16. to 16. Again, I understand he's not the focus of the movie, but Mike Jones, if, if you're out there watching this movie, you're not the only one up in arms saying, where's my dude? I was literally waiting for it. And no, they just gloss over the championship at the very end. That's it, dude. Yeah, he deserved better. Maybe he'll get his own spinoff. <laughs> yes. <laughs> what do we call it? The Mike Jones. <laughs> the other Mike Jones. That's what we'll call it. Yeah. <laughs> A uh, few other quick observations, Sam, and we'll hop off here. Actor Bruce McGill might have been my favorite character in this movie other than his son, Zach. He was the AFL coach, Jim Foster. Oh. Jim Foster was the founder and the first commissioner of the Arena League. I don't know if you knew this. Bruce McGill was in the movie Animal House and played Daniel D. Day Simpson Day. And so... Let, let me say, I'm going to send you a picture really quickly here of who I'm talking about from Animal House. And when you see it, you're going to be like, oh my gosh, I can't believe this is the same person. I, I didn't even know who Bruce McGill was until you mentioned him a minute ago. Well, you've seen Animal House, correct? Oh, of course. Of course. Yeah. Okay. So check the group chat right now. And like, as soon as you see this, you're going to be like, I can't believe that this is the same person. Oh, nice. <laughs> No, yeah, I wouldn't have known that. 
So it took me for forever while I'm watching this movie, Sam. Bruce McGill has been in so many different things, but I'm like, where do I recognize him from? And I watched this movie with my parents and my dad's like, oh, he was in Animal House and it clicked and we couldn't, to wrap our brain around that was pretty cool. I got to ask you this too, Sam, how lit did the Iowa Barnstormers games look in this movie? Man, the place was awesome. Like the place was rocking. Did did it remind you at all of going to the St. Louis Battlehawks games in the short-lived, was that the XFL, the AAF? I can't even remember. I mean, I would have to say that the, the Battlehawks look way more lit than that. We had people jumping through tables. We had cronky pinatas. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. We did have cronky pinatas. But so let me know if you want to see those videos because it's awesome. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it <laughs> definitely, definitely reminded me of like that scene, you know? So I mean, what else are you supposed to root for in Des Moines, Iowa? I mean, that's what they had. Right, right. You know? so, like, other, than, other than like college sports, but I'm with yeah, you. Yeah, exactly. So. Right. What did you think of actor Nick Harris's portrayal of Ray Lewis? Oh, I mean, I thought he was good. You know, he made it yeah. as good as he could be. He made his presence known, you know. Obviously, he didn't phase our boy Kurt, but I thought he did a good job. Honestly, he had the antics and was super loud and obnoxious out there. I thought it was great. I thought he did a nice job, too. Yeah. He got, like, the right tone exactly. of Ray Lewis, too, and then just, like, I mean, the obnoxious sack dances and uh-huh. the body movements and the smack talk. I, I, another nitpick I have to, I have uh, OJ Keith Simpson, who portrayed Marshall Falk, could have been a little bit more trim for me, a little bit more in shape, in my I, opinion. And you can look at some still images if you want to know what I'm talking about. Yeah. I hate to make fun of an actor, what kind of shape, you know, but if we're talking about a football movie, we're talking about the great Marshall Falk. Give me someone who is absolutely trim. Could have been a little bit trimmed up in this role. Might I thought he has like shoulder pads were like super big for some reason, which even, I mean, Marshall Falk again, like more in shape. I, I'd agree, but they kind of looked like pretty similar in the face. Yeah. Yeah. If there were a sequel to this movie, Sam, in my opinion, here's where it would pick up and shout if you feel differently. So after Dick Verbeel's left as the head coach, Mike Martz becomes the head coach of the team. 2003 season, enter Mark Bolger, who takes over as Warner's backup. He's promoted to number one on the depth chart after Warner commits five turnovers and gets a concussion in the opening week loss to the New York Giants. Bolger leads the Rams to a 12-4 and record. They win the NFC West title on a first-round bye, but they never win a Super Bowl again. Then you get to the 2004 season, Warner's lone season with the New York Giants. Yeah. That's an yeah. absolute disaster, a 6-10 and 10 season with Tom Coughlin. I think yeah. somewhere in that area is where the sequel picks up to where you get yeah. the swan song of Kurt Warner, Larry Fitz, and the Arizona Cardinals going back to glory in yeah. Super Bowl 43, only to lose to the Pittsburgh Steelers. I think that's where a sequel picks up if you were to do that in this movie. This will never happen. But no. and entertain me, Sam. Do oh, I well, have it would, right in terms of where the sequel picks up? Yeah, I would say so. I mean, or you could follow the Rams after that 12 and four Super Bowl win and just, you know, straight, you know, miserable seasons where they just lose. They win like maybe a couple games each season for 10 plus years. You know, what do you think would be the better movie? <laughs> you want to see a Sean Hill, Austin <laughs> Davis movie, don't you, Sam Redshin? Oh my God, dude. That, I don't think I could sit through that. 
<laughs> just Steven Jackson runs the just show. Just make sure we get a good actor per, to portray Chris Long, and I think we'll be set. Yeah. Get a good actor to portray Chris Long, Robert Quinn, and maybe Aaron Donald, and, and I think we've got a film. Scott Linehan, Steve Spagnuolo. I mean, those are key. Spags! Spags! <laughs> yeah, Hazlitt as well. So, mm-hmm. Sam, final thoughts about American Underdog. Well, I was actually going to ask you a similar question. Sure. What is your, what will you take away from this um, movie? Again, I went in thinking it was going to be a lot like draft day with Kevin Costner. Now I know draft day is a fictitious movie, but if you watch draft day and you actually look at the Cleveland Browns, 2018 draft, the 2018 draft for the Browns, they had the first overall pick. They took Baker Mayfield. They had the fourth overall pick. They took, Pro Bowl cornerback Denzel Ward. In the movie Draft Day, the Browns end up getting two first-round draft picks. There are a lot of parallels there, and Mm. it's so cheesy. Like It's one of those movies where whenever it's on TV, it's so bad, it's good that I've got to turn it on. I I, I do too, and it's just like there's certain lines where it's like Kevin Costner will be like, I'm going to do what's best for the team, or it's just like the the fictitious quarterback Bo Callahan of – no one, no one went to his 21st birthday party. We've got to find out why. Yeah, I thought yeah. it was going to be very, very hokey. But this movie's not really about football. I'd say football is maybe right. a small fraction of this movie. It's about family. It's about faith. It's about su- supporting yourself with a strong nucleus of people who believe in what you're doing and can help you go after your goals, dreams, and aspirations. That's what I would take away from it. A very, very inspiring movie around this holiday season. So I'd encourage anyone to see it, even if you're not a sports fan, because seeing the trailer and actually watching the full movie, two completely different experiences. For sure. For sure. I'd echo what about that. you, Sam? I'd echo that too. And it's about, you know, if, if you're a good person, like in gen- and Kirk generally is a great person, strong faith, and he just de- never gave up. You know, he kept working hard. I genuinely believe that if you're a great person, you do the right things and you keep working hard, have a strong worth ethic, you'll find your break. And that's what it's about. So I think it'd be, again, everyone should go see it. Definitely recommend it. Sam Renshin, this has been a full pod. This has been fun. Our reaction to the movie, American Underdog. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Dusting off the cobwebs a little bit. Uh, Go leave us a five-star review, rate, review, and subscribe to Stuck in Misery. We'll go ahead and sign off here. For Sam Renshin, I'm Mark Bergen. Thank you for listening to Stuck in Misery. Take care. We'll see you next time. Until then, so long. Thank you.